It started early this morning. A bunch of us theology nerds were having a discussion where one of us voiced a concern that too often ideology overshadows theology. I told you we were theology nerds. And that's when another countered that all theology is ideology. That introduced some discomfort in the group. But I think that the one who said that, that all theology is ideology, is right. Loved ones, what's going on? I'm Bruce, and this is A Bigger Story. Our old friend, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, defines ideology in three ways. First, a manner or the content of thinking characteristic of an individual, group, or culture. Two, the integrated assertions, theories, and aims that constitute a sociopolitical program. And three, a systematic body of concepts, especially about human life or culture. In seminary, which feels like a very, very long time ago, we had a very much loved professor named Albert Perro. He was known to all of us by his middle name, Pete. Pete, among other things, was the first black seminary professor in the Lutheran Church. Pete defined theology as us worrying about what God worries about when she wakes up in the morning. I'll give it to you again. Pete's definition of theology, us worrying about what God worries about when she wakes up in the morning. And what does God worry about when she gets up in the morning? Well, among other things, I bet God worries about the content and manner of thinking engaged in by individuals, groups, and cultures. I also imagine that God worries about the theories and aims that constitute various sociopolitical programs because it's those sociopolitical programs that have a direct impact on the thriving and flourishing or the not thriving and the not flourishing of people, of the planet, of creation. And I'll bet God also worries about the body of concepts that we human beings come up with. And all those are the Merriam-Webster definition of ideology. So it's a long way around to confirm our friend's idea this morning that all theology is ideology. So why was that uncomfortable? Because those of us who do theology as our work, we like to think that the domain of theology is a bit more rarefied than the more mundane-sounding ideology. I mean, it's fun to say, I'm a theologian. It's not as fun to say, I'm an ideologian, idio, ideologian. You can't even pronounce it. At the risk of patting myself on the back, I was not uncomfortable with that conflation of ideology and theology. And here's why. If you're a Christian, you are saying, in effect, that Jesus Christ is what God looks like with a human face. So you read biblical accounts of Jesus in the Gospels. You read the contemplations of Christ written in the letters of Paul and others that are in the New Testament, the epistles, because you believe that the way of Christ, what Jesus did, what he taught, is the way of God. It's classical Christian understanding. Jesus Christ is fully God, fully man, 100% both at the same time and all of the time. So if you want to pay attention to God, pay attention to Jesus. One of the key aspects of Jesus is revealed on the cross. The cross and what happened there is central to Christian faith. One of the things that happened on the cross is that Jesus the Christ emptied himself of all the power you would think that someone who is fully divine would possess. 
I mean, why not prevent the ones who arrested him from arresting him? Why not prevent the Roman imperial authorities from torturing him and crucifying him? Because if you're God, you could do that, right? And this is crucial. The way we think God would exercise power and the way God actually chooses to exercise power usually doesn't match up. We want Superman God, Wonder Woman God, and it's not what we get. The power that Jesus, fully human, fully divine, the power he exercised and models on the cross is the power of fully emptying himself of all power. If your brain just exploded, I'll do it one more time. The power that Jesus, fully human, fully divine, exercised and models on the cross is the power of fully emptying himself of all power. And this is the image of God that we are actually given. So much of the evil we see in the world stems from one group powering up on or powering over another group, a person powering up on another. So how do you defeat that evil? By showing a very different way. The Apostle Paul wrote very specifically about this different way in his letter to the Philippians, a group of Christians in Philippi, which is why it's called Philippians, not a coincidence. It's chapter two if you're following along at home. This is what Paul writes. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself. What Paul is saying is that our whole way of being should be filtered through the divine way of being that Jesus shows us and most vividly on the cross. And that loops us back to why I, and I hope any of us, wouldn't be put off by someone saying that our theology, any theology, is also ideology, that any theology is based on our human notions of who or what God is. Not put off, and not even primarily because it's true, because I think it is, but primarily because if we filter all we are, all we think, all we feel and do through the filter of this self-emptying that we see Jesus do on the cross— then having our theology pulled down out of the rarefied places we like to think that it occupies, pulled down to earth, shouldn't bother us at all. We can empty ourselves of any bother, any offense we might take. In fact, if you are easily offended, this is a really useful contemplation. If you're emptying yourself of ambition, conceit, selfishness, self-interest, having the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, I'm quoting Paul from Philippians again, If we empty ourselves of all those things, then you and I empty ourselves of a lot of the very stuff that causes us to be offended. I said a minute or so ago that I think that these ideas are crucial, and I was really careful in choosing that word, crucial. Ever heard the word cruciform? It means cross-shaped. How about crucifer? It's someone who carries a cross in a worship procession. Ever been to Las Cruces, New Mexico? In the 19th century, one of the first things you'd see when you came upon Las Cruces, or so the legend goes, is all these wooden crosses that marked the graves of soldiers and travelers who died there. Hence the name, Las Cruces, the crosses. So, to say that something is crucial 
is to say it is of the essence of the cross. And of the essence of the cross is this utter, complete, total self-emptying of power, of divine power. And that actually is the divine power, a self-emptying that comes to completion in redeeming divine love. I was talking not long ago with a seminary classmate. And seminary was almost 30 years ago, not quite, but almost. And we recalled these t-shirts that our seminary class printed up with our class motto on them. The motto, a place to get all your answers questioned. A place to get all your answers questioned. It was a reminder to us to fully surrender our self-certitude because the divine is so infinite that anything that we could ever think to say is at best partial. We see through a glass darkly, as the Apostle Paul said. And one more idea connected to all of this. I think it's also why churches with preachers who seem to have neat, concise, self-assured answers tend to be bigger than those whose preachers are more tentative. I think, too, it's why celebrity pastors who flood social media with one or two-sentence hot takes have more followers than those who don't reduce their ideas about God to a clever little slogan. Occasionally, you can do that, but not usually. In a world that prefers microwave, give it to me in a soundbite, really quick answers, speaking tentatively comes across as less satisfying. However, it's a way of being open, wide open to having our answers questioned. It's a longer, more circuitous road, and it requires more humility, more patience. And it's a road that's much less traveled. But that road less traveled, I think, is ultimately a richer path, and it leads ultimately to a richer, more redemptive, bigger story. Thanks for listening. Stay in touch. Bruce at brucecole.tv. A new episode in season one drops daily every Monday through Friday. Remember, you are loved.